Hello all sentient beings and welcome to Transmissions Alt Mode where we talk about all news, comics, and media related to the... On this episode of Transmissions Alt Mode, we interview Transformers War for Cybertron producers F.J. DeSanto and Matt Murray. Today is Friday, January 1st, 2021. Hey, we made it, fellas. And this is Transmissions Alt Mode. Welcome to another special episode of Transmissions. This is our interview with the showrunners of War for Cybertron Earthrise. I'm your host, Charles, a.k.a. Big C, and I'm joined by the excellent Transmissions team. Jeremy, a.k.a. Yakko. Hello. And Daryl, the Cybertronian Beast. How's it going? Let's talk Transformers. (laughs) All right, and we are... Welcome, F.J. DeSanto and Matt Murray, showrunner and producer of the Netflix Transformers War for Cybertron series. We've had F.J. on before. We had him on for Siege, and uh, Siege seemed to be uh, do pretty well with Netflix. A lot of people watch it. A lot. It, 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 I think uh, folks took it. Folks enjoyed it. And we're happy to have them back for Earthrise. And thanks both F.J. and Matt for joining us. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us. And thanks. For, you know, I brought Matt this time because he's much smarter than I am and, and keeps the, the machine running, so to speak. <laughs> None of that is true, but I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, he keeps the operation <laughs> running. So. As we talked before, he's apparently keeps you in line. In terms of- oh, yeah. yeah. No, he's the one that makes me, gets me to behave, you know, like, but that's a whole other story. He's basically my bodyguard or babysitter, depending on what day it is and what the problem is. Sometimes my, my handler, yeah, occasional shrimp. Yeah. Also. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, fair warning: we are going to be getting into spoiler territory for both Siege and Earthrise. Uh, but uh, you know, the Earthrise stuff will keep to the end. But I think Siege has been out for about six months now, so I think hopefully you've watched it. If you're watching this interview, hopefully you've already watched Siege and you're getting ready to watch Earthrise. You've already watched Earthrise, and so that should be out by the time this goes up. Uh, but fair warning. So let's jump right in. And uh, so, uh, of course, Siege is. is I think it. I, I would just I justifiably say it's. It was a hit. With Netflix, it got pretty high in the rankings. So are you guys pleased with the response? I'm more pleased with, you know, you never find out exactly how many people watched, et cetera, because, you know, this is the, the age of streaming. But but what we do know is, you know, did really well review wise and, and fan wise. And, you know, and I think it did. I think it did its job of being that love letter to the core audience and, and opening some doors for new ones, you know. Um, you know, we, we heard a lot of families watched it. A lot of kids watched it, which was a big surprise. You know, we tried to skew it a little older than the usual stuff. Um, yeah, I, look, I couldn't be happier with the response. You know, people always have problems with things, but, you know, in terms of reviews and, and, you know, talking to people about it, uh, you know, they're relatively happy. And, and, and I think, you know, as I mentioned last time, I think the series gets better as it keeps going. I think, you know, we'll go to, we'll, I'm sure we'll, t- you know, we're going to talk about Earthrise, which I just, I just think the whole show goes like this. You know, it escalates action wise and story wise. And I'm really proud of Siege and what it did. Yeah, awesome. I saw it got up to like five or six on the, the Netflix rankings, like the first week 
Um, so that was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's an audience for it. You know, like, I mean, look, people I think are hungry for Transformers and, we, we, you know, I, I'm proud of what Polygon did visually. And I think that really, you know, captured a lot of people. And and as you'll see, I mean, you guys have seen Earthrise, but even in Kingdom, it gets more colorful and, and interesting and, and dynamic. So I think by the time all three are out, I think it's going to have a long life on Netflix where people are going to, you know, want to see this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Now, uh, Matt, we got FJ's history with the Transformers franchise mm-hmm. and, and where he came from in our first interview back in July. So uh, maybe you could give us a little bit of, of your personal history with Transformers. Uh, th- did you come in as a longtime fan or, or and and what uh, what brought you into Transformers and what keeps you in Transformers? So I'm a Beast Wars kid. Just purely okay. due because you know because of my age, basically, like that was just the show for me when I was growing up. So I had a lot of those toys, and I watched that show all the time. And I, re- you know, every kid, you know, even if you didn't watch G One, knows who Optimus Prime is, knows who Megatron is. And I'll never forget, like when the Beast Wars started crossing over into that G One history, and you saw Optimus on screen in the arc, and like it just blew my you know little brain at the time. I was like, whoa, like you know, like I didn't understand all the nuance of the mythology, but just the idea that you know a show could cross over with another show like that was just so interesting at the time. So, you know, that just sort of sparked my interest in Transformers. And then, you know, throughout the years I've tried to catch up on as much Transformers as possible. Obviously there's a, a lot of it out there and I've not seen every single iteration, but I've always just had a deep appreciation for the franchise. And, you know, I think it's a franchise that is so interesting because it always is able to find a uniqueness to it in every iteration. Like there's very few franchises that can constantly reinvent itself. And it's just, it's such a great franchise to be part of that. I'm just really excited to, to be here. Awesome. So uh, after beast wars, I mean, it, that hooked you as a kid. Did you did you follow Transformers as you got older, or is this something where you just came back to it uh, recently? Sort of. I I sort of fell off a little bit because you know I, I'm a video gamer and I was a teenager, and you know there was other things that caught my interest at the time. And then it was sort of the, one of those things that like it sort of re sparked my interest, getting back into it. You know, catching up on things I had missed and stuff like that. So it's definitely something I've fallen back into and, and really grown to appreciate. Like I said, all the different iterations, especially the 86 movie. I think that thing is it still holds up so well today. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely a high point of uh, the whole transformers universe. It's got the best soundtrack of any. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> now uh, with the, uh, you mentioned the the reaction from fans and reviews and everything. What? Uh, how about Hasbro and Netflix? Are, are they happy with uh, with how the show's doing and and uh, the response? Yeah, I mean they they seem to be. I mean, you know, we're knee deep in Kingdom now, and everybody's super supportive. Um, I think, you know, from a Hasbro point of view, I think they're they're over the moon about it. Um, you know, especially because, as I'm sure we talked about last time, is you know we worked so closely with the brand to align with the toys and, and what they were doing. So I think from a Hasbro point of view, they're they're super happy. I mean, look, we deal with them every day. Um, and Netflix has always been great 
with us with this and, and, you know, super supportive. And, and especially as you can see the, you know, with the recent trailers for Earthrise and by the time this comes out, there's going to be a couple of posters that'll have come out that are really cool. And, and they, they've done a great job marketing it in terms of understanding the audience, you know, working with Hasbro to sort of, you know, get it out there, et cetera. So, you know, everybody, everybody's enthusiasm seems to increase as, as we keep working on it, which is, which is really great. And it allows, you know, Matt and I and, and the team, you know, especially in Japan, you know, to, to just have the confidence to keep doing what we're doing, building on it. Um, and I think that's going to pay off in a big way by the time this is all done. Um, and I'm saying this now, like I said, we're knee deep into kingdom. We sort of know, we have the light at the end of the tunnel. We know how it's going to wrap up, how it's going to end. And, and we're feeling really good about it and really f- feeling strong that we're going to have a payoff and throw a lot of curveballs in between, as you guys have seen in Earthrise, that people aren't going to expect. And I, I think find really satisfying also. Cool. You mentioned the uh, these new posters that you got coming out. These things don't happen to, uh, you know perhaps spell out a hidden fourth no, there's no hidden show that uh, <laughs> may, this kingdom might lead into a, eh? huh? no, 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 no. That was, a, that was a really smart thing that Netflix and Hasbro sort of came up with because in, as you guys know, and I'm, I'm talking a little bit out of school here. I mean, you know how quick these toy lines leak, you know, and, and, and stuff gets out there. Oh, it's going to be this and that. So that was a, you know, they were sort of taking those opportunities, Hasbro and Netflix, to really help each other and sort of like, hey, we can control the narrative on announcing Kingdom and all that stuff and, and hiding those things in there and, and all that. And I think that's a lot of fun. Like, you know, it's very much our mentality when we, you know, create the show with the writers and the animators. You know, it's like, how do we service the whole brand? How do we, how do we, make this the franchise. Um, so I love that sort of connective tissue. And also, you know, the one thing I've sort of learned to love in this process, especially around siege is, you know, now everybody knows where it's going. You know what I mean? Like we were talking off air before this, where when the screeners go out and, you know, for the first one, I, you know, Netflix came to me and said, all right, we're going to send the screeners out. You know, what do you not want spoiled? And I wrote a laundry list, you know, which in retrospect was sort of like, well, who cares? Like, they know what Earthrise is. And so when we got to Earthrise, like, just don't talk about the last episode. And they were like, okay. And that makes, I think it makes it more fun for you guys, makes it more fun for the fans to get it out there. Like, oh, these characters are in it and all that stuff. I'm less precious about it. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that I'm I'm confident in the show itself. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Not letting us talk about Optimus Prime and, and Siege was just that was too restrictive. Yeah, well, don't talk, don't talk about anything <laughs> Optimus does or Megatron, and yeah. don't mention anything that happens on Cybertron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mentioned the planet's name. Don't you can't do that. Yeah, you don't even spoilers. Check out the whole mercenary thing. Like, you're, you're, I'm scared of you whenever you start to speculate. <laughs> <laughs> you figure out half the show in, a, in card game. I got a whole I got a whole list of stuff here. I got to go through. <laughs> one thing uh that did uh cause a little bit of controversy when when siege came out was uh just uh, an issue with the the voice actors like just having a new crop of voice actors and uh you know a lot of fans and even i mean it was surprising to see some of the um the actual you know some of the previous voice actors just mentioned you know 
why didn't we get some of the old actors coming back? Why, you know, why is there a completely new crop of, of, uh, you know, of, of talent here? Uh, is there anything you want to like, you want to say to address that? Yeah. I mean, look, the idea was a fresh start and it was, we made that decision really early on to have a mostly new cast, you know, because it's a prequel. It takes place long before G1 um, in our minds. And, you know, we, this was this was not like something that was imposed. It, it was a conversation between all the parties to sort of go, all right, this is a relatively fresh slate. And they're only really, you know, we use some of the actors from Cyberverse and things like that, um, especially Jake who plays Optimus, you know, because we were, we were treading into similar story territory in Cyberverse. And also, as I'm sure you guys can figure out now with Kingdom and all this stuff, the, the, they now have this idea that there's a Transformers multiverse, um, you know, which we sort of hint at in Earthrise, which I might have spoiled too much, but obviously, you know, <laughs> but you know what I mean? You know, Kingdom's coming. So yeah. if you've seen that, that is pretty much in the trailer. I mean, it's, it's yeah, not. That, that's not <laughs> but the, the point being is like, no matter what, I always wanted Tadar and Marnoka to come back because I felt like they represented that sort of new wave of voice actors. You know, like they, they were so good. Like, you know, I know a lot of people don't like, you know, have issues with the power of the uh, Prime Wars trilogy. I do too. Um, but the one, the two things that sort of were great that came out of that were Marnoka and Tadaro. So, you know, even from the second the show, you know, for War for Cybertron was being entertained, I was always very adamant, like, okay, those two are coming back no matter what. So you're sort of building that, you know, in that new, you know, that new generation of it. And, and it's no disrespect to, to anybody who came before. We're, you know, as you can tell, we try to honor it as best as possible, but also to fit the story and, and start with a clean slate. And that's why we brought Jake in because, you know, he was their optimist in – you know, he's the current optimist, I think, isn't he in Rescue Bots also, but he's Cyberverse also, you know, and, you know, finding somebody who can do that voice is very, very, very difficult. Um, but we wanted something different. And again, it's no disrespect to, to anybody who came before, but it was a decision to as, as go with as clean a slate as possible to do this version of the franchise. And, you know... And I didn't want it to be a mishmash of old actor, new actor, et cetera. And then everybody's going, well, you got this guy, but why not this guy and all that stuff. And, and again, it was just, it, it's always meant as everything with this was to honor the franchise and not disrespect it. And I understand people, you know, like Matt talks about, he grew up with beast wars. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't have the, no offense, Matt. You, he didn't come into this with the <laughs> affinity one that I would as being alive when it first happened right and he knows beast wars better than i do so you know it was sort of an interesting thing because that's where his heart is you know especially again i'm sure we'll do this the third time we talk about kingdom and we'll talk about matt's particular contribution to that and so again we're trying to honor the history while doing something new um you know and and that's really it you know if, if i i hate that people are upset about it but on the flip side you know Mm-hmm. I'm proud of the work we've accomplished with it. And and again, yeah. I think like everything with Siege, Siege was a learning process, finding your, your sort of footing with the show. And I think, like I mentioned earlier, everything with this entire series, the trilogy gets better and better as it keeps going. And, you know, you learn those lessons as you go. Mm-hmm. 
So everybody stop DMing me. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to work, FJ. Sorry. Yeah, never work. I've got more Good try. <laughs> Change is hard. <laughs> yeah, but we're not sure. trying to force it. You know what I mean? We're yeah. not, it's not like Optimus is completely different. Blah, 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 you know, but that's a whole other conversation. If there's one thing but you can say about Transformer fans is they don't really like change. No, I know, which but, is I, but I say this as a fan also, yeah. you know, like you, you, you end up in that sort of rock and a hard place of, you know, understand, I understand that mentality. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. and on the flip side, it's like, how do you push the, the, the franchise forward? Even though it's a very, it's a series that's very respectful of G1 in particular, you know, but again, like everything, and you guys, like I said, you guys have seen Earthrise. You see now, especially if you get into this middle act, there's a long game here where we are shifting gears. You know what I mean? Like it's not, you know, Earthrise isn't G1. You've got all the, you know, don't, you know, I'm obsessed. I read all the comments. I read everything. Matt has to yell at me, but I'm sitting there where people go, there's no earth in, you know, these Earthrise trails. Well, Earth's got to rise, pal. You know, like, give it a get there, you know. Yeah. It's a journey, you know. It's like, and but I sit there going, oh, shit, should we have gone to Earth, like, in the first episode? You know, but they but they have an expectation of G1, which we're, you know, which I get, but we're also trying to do something new with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels to me like the whole, like, I think a, at least... The way that uh, the toy line was presented just contrasts with what the show is doing. The show, to me, feels like the entire three parts are a prequel to G1, whereas maybe the toy line with the middle, the second toy line being called Earthrise, maybe I think a lot of people thought, well, Siege is the prequel and then Earthrise is on Earth and then Kingdom is the future. And I think that's where people are maybe getting uh getting confused where I think yeah. the whole show taken, taken as a whole is a, is still a prequel to G1. At least that's how it feels to me. Yeah. After I think, I think it's a valid thing. I would, I would say even through kingdom, it's a prequel to G1. Um, yeah. And it becomes this, I, I can't, re, you know, I don't, nobody, well, how do you phrase this without insulting you? We didn't want to remake G1. You know what I mean? We've got to do something different with it and be, you know, respectful of, of what's come before. And, and to be quite honest, you know, when, you know, Siege is very close to the toy line, as you guys know. Yeah. And as it keeps going, you know, it's it sort of, we're not as loyal to the toys in Earthrise and Kingdoms simply because we were so far ahead of the toy line. I mean, we're yeah. obviously, we do it all in sync with, with, Hasbro, but, you know, for example, you know, we made a big deal about how toy accurate, you know, the first season is, the second season is like that, third season less so because we were so far ahead, you know, like it's going to be our versions of the Beast Wars characters, et cetera. I mean, they look the same, like it's all based on designs Hasbro gives us and all that stuff. But, you know, by the very nature of Hasbro saying, hey, we're going to do a toy line where the G1 characters and the Beast Wars characters meet you can't have G1 in this. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, like that goes, I even, at one point, I shouldn't say this in public, but I even had to argue with them at one point, Hasbro about that from, from a couple of story points. And, and this will be the thing, as I always tell Matt, when I'm doing like TFCon, when I'm like 75 in Burbank, at the Burbank Marriott, <laughs> I can tell all the, the stories. And there's not a lot of drama before because Hasbro has been great throughout the whole thing. 
But there were, you know, there are certain times where they push back on, on certain story things. You sit in there and you have to say to them, like, you wanted these, these different characters to meet. So by doing that, G1's got to go over here. Like, we got to, you know, we, we, we can't get there yet. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's a multiverse. It's, you know, anyone that's read comics knows you can have an earth here where everything happens one way. And then another one here where, you know, completely like one little thing changed. And then the entire future of the characters are different. Yeah. I, here, here's the thing. I can't really speak on that until you watch kingdom. And I have to be careful, but like, you know, we have carefully thought out an explanation of how they meet. Like again, mm-hmm. you know, and, and some of that is in Earthrise. Like, you know, when you get to kingdom, you sit there and go, Oh, they pay off this thing in Earthrise and all this. Um, and that's, that's where it gets tricky. And we had to do a lot of long-term thinking and, you know, a, a lot of that has to do with the, you know, the, the there are sort of three writers who, and one I'm not going to name yet because that writer needs to be announced for kingdom but gavin and tim who are the writers on on this second series you know gavin sort of came from siege into this and then um and then tim comes in and then you know when we get into kingdom somebody else comes in and gavin went off to do another show for matt and i which is not transformers related um you know we had to sit there and sort of map it out because to be quite honest when we sort of developed the trilogy in the beginning kingdom you know like siege had a lot because that was the immediate one we we're going to write Earthrise, We sort of had the outline of, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to do this, that, the other, we sort of knew that. And then kingdom, we sort of went, uh, you know, we just sort of know <laughs> this, this, and this, and they're all going to yeah. meet shit goes down and, you know, we got to get them to do this. And it, it becomes a tricky thing. And I'm a DC comics kid. I think we talked about this last time. So I love multiverses. I, you know, I grew up with Christ on infinite earth. So like, there is a mentality of like, here's how you do this. Here's, here's how you do that. But to be quite frank, the multiverse ex, you know, exploration of this is very minimum. I just want people to have that sort of, you know, leveled expectation of, yes, there's going to be an explanation I'm actually proud of what the writers pulled off and how clean it is and, and how it works. Um, and I'm saying this literally Matt and I, an hour ago, we're on a call with Japan sort of going over the very last episode of the whole thing, you know, and sort of going, okay, we pulled this off. Um, you know, I, I, I'm proud of the journey that the writers came up with and how to do that multiverse. And I, and I think in a way that's really satisfying. Sorry, I ramble on like I always do. <laughs> No, that's that's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. So with uh, before we move on to Earthrise, I did uh, just touch on a couple of points in Siege because I, I really thought one of the things that uh, I was really impressed with Siege was, you know, as as always as a as a Transformers fan, as a as a fan of you know genre media, science fiction, sci fi, you know, it's fantasy, all that stuff. You always want more than what you're given, you know. So when we when it's announced originally, oh, six episodes, that's it, six episodes, no more. I mean. How how are we going to get a whole story in six episodes? And I really want to commend you for how much you packed in these six episodes. I really thought you told were able to tell a really multi layered story. You carried a you touched on a lot of different character arcs. Uh, 
And I was just surprised at, at how much you were able to pack in those six episodes. So, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, and in particular, uh, Megatron's story arc, just as you show him, you know, at the beginning, he's 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 the bad guy, but he's still kind of the honorable bat, the honorable villain. The you know, you can see how him and Optimus Prime used to see eye to eye. Now they diverged, but they're still they still respect each other. And then by the end of Siege, I think you've taken him down a path, and and I think in his eyes, his actions are justified. But you've taken him. Uh, really towards the like where he's he's the irredeemable you know you know evil megatron that that we got in in g1 so uh, i just wanted to to ask you how you how you mapped out that that arc for him i'm I'm trying to think now i mean so long ago now yeah no (laughs) because you know when we did and again i know people don't like the prime wars and uh, you know, like I said, I'm one of them. But the the third one, Power of the Primes, which was the only one, you know, Matt and I were really like involved in from the you know ground up in terms of development, production, all that stuff. And we were sort of working with what we were handed in the other the previous two. You know, was sort of in our mind the end of the Megatron arc. You know, what I mean, he sort of disappears at the end of that and all that. And we were sort of in our mind sort of backtracking, like who is he at this point? And it's, it's same with Optimus. And, you know, I, I just, and I, I think it was written for Marnoka whom we knew could pull off the emotion. And you see in Earthrise, the guilt of his decisions from siege really start to kick in. And that escalates even more in kingdom. I mean, look, the dude's talking to the head of ultra Magnus. Spoilers. What not to do? <laughs> so I, I guess we could go into Earthrise. Yeah. So, so yeah, sorry. So you know when we mapped it, it's okay. We're we're twenty five minutes in. It's okay. <laughs> when we mapped it, you know, it was knowing that eventually, no matter what happened, there was there's a there's G one is all the way over here. So. He needs to end up being that mustache twirling cool ladies villain that we know it. So why not give him, you know, some sort of depth to it. And, you know, and there's a lot to explore with that in that gray area of, and and again, I'm really proud of what we do with Earthrise and the, it it was always sort of, you know, it it was mostly mapped by, really early on sort of, you know, George Christick and I, when we really sort of broke down that initial treatment was sort of, how do you really explore that gray area, the Decepticons? And the, and the, the moment was always going to be him pulling the trigger on Ultra Magnus was a bridge too far. And, and how, do you, how do you do that after that? And it, 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 it's hard to not have fun with Megatron. You know what I mean? Like he's always the easier character to write versus even Optimus. And um, yeah, I, 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 it it just, like Matt said, it's so long ago now. Like, I don't remember, but we just, those things just sort of all fell into place really easily um, in terms of, we knew he was going to kill Magnus. 
we wanted these moments like in the, the first episode of Siege where like he actually offers Wheeljack and Bumblebee to join them. Like, like you know, th- those little things all were little moments that would sort of create this sort of three di- more three-dimensional character as opposed to just, you know, kill them all, which we get to by the time we get to the end of Siege. And it's sort of... Can I talk Earthrise yet? So anyway, so so like, <laughs> go, ahead. Know, <laughs> go ahead. Spoilers, we'll, everyone. Spoilers. <laughs> when we get into Earthrise, he's sort of dealing with the the multiple levels of guilt of he's stuck on the planet right now, you know, and he feels responsible for everybody. Which is, you know, when he goes to visit the the manufacturing plants and all that stuff. Like we wanted that, but. You know, and then there's a lot of interactions with Alita, which are some of my favorite scenes in Earthrise. But then the second, you know, like, and, and you find he's struggling with those two versions of himself until, of course, you know, the, the word comes in, Optimus is alive. And he's just like, forget it. I, I'm going to go kill this guy. Mm-hmm. And he's still doing it under the guise of I'm going to get the Allspark and save the planet. I think there's still some part of him with that, that I think just as he continues to give more and more into the madness of his of his quest he he sort of forgets that and you know and and is now more that megatron who i'm just gonna wipe everybody out and dominate everything because the the other ways don't work and i I think he learned some of that lesson when magnus doesn't pull the trigger on him in siege which is a big moment um you know it it shows even says oh magnus you should have pulled the trigger you know I think that's a big moment for him because he would have pulled the trigger at that point, you know, if he, if the situation was reversed. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that answers the question. It's just another long-winded exploration <laughs> of Megatron. Well, uh, yeah, I guess maybe we should we should uh, transition into Earthrise since yeah, that is that's that's the new hot thing that's out right now, and I think there's a there's a lot of burning questions there. I mean, just. Um, as you mentioned, Alita one, I wanted to touch on that too, because at the end of siege, I was like, Oh, well, okay. You've shifted the focus to the arc doing something out in space. So we're, are are we even going to get back to Cybertron? And I was very pleasantly surprised to see that the first episode of Earthrise is all on Cybertron for the most part. And we all, it's all focused on Alita one and her team. uh, And, you know, basically left to pick up the pieces of, uh, of, what's going on on Cybertron with the loss of the AllSpark. And as you mentioned, Megatron descending further into his, uh, you know, in, in, uh, committing atrocity after atrocity now, like th- not, not just against the Autobots, but even against his own Decepticons. And I really liked how you, um, how you pushed things further and made them more extreme in that episode. And then Alita one becomes you know even more prominent than she was in siege, which uh, I, I also thought it was, it was great to see, to have her be such a, such a strong character in siege and now in Earthrise as well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. There, there's a couple of things with that is I pushed very hard early on for Alita to be in the show. I, I think I mentioned this last time, the series and Hasbro, had no problem with it. And they were sort of like, Oh, I don't know. We're, we don't know if we're going to do a toy of her, but you can do whatever. And then they started to read the scripts and the thing and went, Oh wow, this is a really cool character. And I always wanted, you know, a stronger female character 
in, you know, in a prominent position in the show. The, the, the honest to God truth is <laughs> the first episode of Siege is sort of loosely connected to the last moment of, I'm sorry, of Earthrise is sort of loosely connected to the last moment of Siege, which the arc floating in space is intruder alert. I wanted that to be a post-credit sequence. So I wanted the show to end on Alita and company with the idea of, and this is me being sort of naive and sort of a idealistic thing, like nobody will figure this out, was the idea was like you ended on that team of Alita, Jeff, like this is your new Transformers. This is your new Autobot. The show's going to be about this. And everybody, they think everybody's dead. And I wanted to just have the arc floating as like a post-credit thing, but Netflix doesn't do post-credit things on their TV shows. So I had to sort of just edit it back in, right? (laughs) So that's the true story. So the idea was that you would watch the first episode of Earthrise and think, oh shit, this is really like Optimus and company aren't coming back. And it was just me being until the very end. And you realize now it's it's sort of a good hook for a streaming show to sort of go, oh, there's Optimus and the mercenaries. we got to find out what happens to them. So we really wanted to focus on, you know, Alita and company in the beginning of Earthrise. But then there was also a realization of how cool the character was and how great the actor is, you know, Lindsay. And, you know, wouldn't this be fun to have her sort of up against Megatron at this point and make them like, you know, the, the honest to God truth is there's sort of like a, you know, like this just like little terrorist cell at, at the beginning of Earthrise because there's so yeah. few left. And there was something really intriguing about it that they were going around freeing Autobots and, you know, prisoners and things like that. There, there was a lot of fun with that. Um, and a lot of that wasn't in the original sort of planning. You know, the original planning was like, hey, we're going to space and then Megatron's going to find out. And it sort of evolved in the writing of, well, there's a lot of rich material that we could sort of explore here with Alita. And it also serves Megatron, you know, and, and, and they spoke to their past where you know, he calls her Ariel. And, and she talks about, yeah. you know, you were, you know, she sort of hints like you, I knew you back in the day and all that stuff. Like, like, I think it served those characters really well to do that. Um, and what we were talking about before with Megatron, and I think it really enhances his character where, you know, again, he goes back to, I, I'm going to recruit you. Like, you come with us. Like, he has a respect for her that I really like. Um, so, yeah, I'm, re- I'm really happy with, you know, again, I was really naive to think, like, people will think, like, oh, Optimus and company are really dead. Um, even if we have the floating ship, you know, it's just me being stupid. But I, I do like <laughs> the way Earthrise, those six episodes sort of lay out. Like, I think I think they... You know, we got the two-parter in in between all that, and then go right into the dead universe stuff. Um, you know, I think I think Alita becomes the the leader that we never really got to see. You know what I mean on Cybertron, mm-hmm. uh, that, and that, yeah. that's what I find enjoyable um, about a lot of what happens there. Well, I think the elephant in the sorry, go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say the sort of the elephant in the room too was like I remember when we you know, we're all done with siege and we were just figuring out what Earthrise was going to be. I think the big question was like, what happens to Cybertron without the all spark? And like, I think it would have been a disservice to, to immediately jump to space in the first episode. Like, I think we really needed to spend time to go like, Oh, this planet is in real trouble. Like they are done for if they don't do something. So we really wanted to establish those stakes of like what Optimus had done and the ramifications of that. 
Yeah. And and that also, to Matt's point, serves the optimist character. But I mean, you'll see, we, we intentionally never say how long it is in between the two shows. Mm-hmm. Like we never, yeah. you know, like even optimist at one point that says was- double deal, like how long have we been out? And double deal is like, it doesn't matter. And you know, that was like, going to be one of my questions. So I guess you're not going to answer that, huh? <laughs> no. And, and, you know, at one point we were sitting there float, floating different. It's not 10 minutes late. It's not, you know, Last Jedi where it's like this just happened five minutes later. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we wanted like, especially as you start to see, you know, like sort of like the way we described it and talked about it with, with our director was Cybertron, and again, this is what Matt was saying, what happens when, how long has that power source been gone? Like, how do you survive off that? And that was sort of a big thing in terms of, or, well, we're going to start the nuclear winter here. Like, that that was always the phrase, was like, it's got to be like a nuclear winter. It's got to be, you know, something that shows. And that's why we kept a lot of familiar places so you could see sort of the discrepancy. And, you know, you'll see in the skies where it's like, almost like this, like, pukish yellow to a degree or green kind of thing. Like it's, it's, it's a planet dying at a, at a clip and, you know, and you sort of, if you're, you have the frustration of Megatron who is trying to, you know, figure out what to do and, you know, but also Alita sort of going, how do we just survive at this point? Um, and to Matt's point, I totally forgot all that stuff. Like that, that's part of the expansion of that Cybertronian cyber of, of that Cybertronian storyline, uh, the subplot was supposed to be: here's the result of what Prime did, and you know, and meanwhile Prime has no idea, you know, of the ramifications of that. And there's and there's still curveballs to come with that, you know that that sort of the ramifications of Cybertron. There's there's there are big 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 payoffs with that and big ramifications that. Hopefully Daryl hasn't figured out by looking at a card game, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's important to the show to and and to Matt's point, I guess we didn't realize it at the time is we did need to see what was going on in Cybertron and expanded that subplot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think one thing also is neat is like the the um, the connection between Elite One, Megatron, and Optimus, like both like. Both Alita and Megatron had a a significant reaction when they realized Optimus was alive. Um, Megatron went into his rage and, you know, accelerated the whole Nemesis project so he could go after Optimus. Alita, it kind of gave her some hope to keep fighting. And then Optimus, when he was told by Megatron, like, Alita had died, like, immediately that almost drove him into a rage to abandon his morals and, and kill Megatron. So it's just, it's a neat little kind of uh, trifecta you have here and how they're all intertwined. Yeah. The idea was always at some point they were all disciples of alpha Trion Mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form. You know what I mean? And we get into that in the show, but the, you know, and Magnus was part of that gang, you know, and I, I think by doing that, as opposed to just, hey, you're Autobots and Decepticons and we just hate each other, 
it gives it a layer of emotion, you know, and, and, and that's why I really like the, the interactions between Megatron and Alita early on in Earthrise. Like I, I really, I really enjoy that dynamic. Um, and cause you get a little bit of both of them and different sides of that. And, you know, it's almost, it's almost like, and, and I'm not saying this was the intention, but sort of like, you know, Megatron was always jealous of Optimus having the, this woman at his side kind of thing. Like, you know, maybe did he have a crush on her at some point or, you know, something like that. I mean, I, obviously we would never go that deep with it, but you sort of get the idea was, was there some sort of triangle with that at some point? Mm. And, and to be honest, when to, to Jeremy, what you're saying is when he tells Prime that Elite is dead, he doesn't actually know that. Like, like he's actually bullshitting Prime at that yeah. point. You know, he's trying to provoke him, which I sort of love. And yeah, I mean, he pauses a long time before he's like, she's dead. I assume. You know, he's all messed up in this explosion. He, he's got to push the button. He's got to push the yeah. button. Like he physically can't do it at that moment. You know, and of course he goes and double crosses him five minutes later, but the, you know, he has to push that button because he know, you know, he knows every button to push on prime. And, and at a certain point you start to see prime knows what buttons to push on Megatron. You know, that, that was a big thing too, is, you know, he know prime is sneakier than you realize where he sort of knows right when to get, you know, Megatron riled up and, and, and get the truth out of him. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I felt like you, uh, I mean, it, it was subtle, but I still felt like that, the the hint of a love triangle triangle was telegraphed a little bit in that interaction between Megatron and Alita, especially referring to her as Ariel. And, you know, it's, so it's, it, you can, I think you can read it a lot of different ways, but I think it, it's, it's just subtle enough so that it's open to interpretation for, you know, either way. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that I, I and I, I think that's, that's, that's a good ambiguous uh, way to leave it there. And, you know, good storytelling for, for people to, either write, write their own fanfics or, or go off in their own speculation. <laughs> Matt, did we talk about that when we were developing it? I don't remember. I don't, I don't think so. I think that subtext just sort of developed on its own. I don't remember that being like a specific mandate. I don't think the love triangle thing was, but I mean, there, there was definitely in our minds, there's that established past of, the students of Alpha Trion, and she's part of that. Well, I have a question about the uh, the the I don't know the the writing of the the, the first little bit of this. Um, when you mentioned, uh, I take it, us back a bit here. We when you mentioned that you know the the Alita and her band of Autobots are essentially a terrorist cell to the Decepticons here. Um, was there any thought in the writing of this episode to flip the script on episode one and write it as though the Decepticons are getting their shit fucked up by this band of Autobots all the time and you're writing it from the point of view of the Decepticons? I feel like that would have been hard given the actions that they take at the end of that episode. Like, I think in Siege we could have definitely taken that approach, but I feel like 
the Decepticons have made decisions now to keep Cybertron alive. They're doing what they have to do. But I think that would have been, I mean, it's a really interesting angle, but I think we would have had a hell of a time justifying that considering, you know, the, the sure. mass execution we see at the very end to, to suck the energy out of them. So it's an interesting way to try and you try and flip the script to try and bring the audience to understanding why the Decepticons are frustrated with this band of Autobots. And then you bring it back and the episode two to six, you're back with the Autobots or you use part of two to, to flip it back over. Right. But you're right. The end of one is it's kind of a hard turn on, on that, uh, on them there. Once you bring in genocide, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even though Megatron's reluctant, he still gives the okay at the end of the day. So it's hard yeah. to redeem that. Yeah, I, it's one of those. I, to Daryl's point, if if we had ten episodes or more, that's one of those fun things. We go, we can just do an episode of this. You know, like what's their POV? You know, again, all these have been approached like mini movies, more so sure. than. And this is the you know this is the unusual one, meaning Earthrise has the 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 one like genuine two parter, mm-hmm. which I think is the only two you know we don't do that in Kingdom Kingdoms more like Siege where it's like it's one long you know movie length story. You could have used Sound Blaster again, FJ. What? You could have used Sound Blaster again. <sighs> don't think <laughs> I didn't stop the idea. Don't think that. <laughs> I get emotional. A lot of people are going to be very upset that Sound Blaster doesn't come back. <laughs> Again, someday when I'm at the Burbank Marriott in my 70s, <laughs> I'll have a story about how I tried to bring Sound Blaster back. But it's not. You definitely did on several occasions, I remember. Yeah. Let's be clear. I, I looked into. And creatively, it just never worked. And there was one instance where Hasbro went no, um, because I wanted to bring somebody else in. But that's a whole other thing. But um, it wasn't from a lack of trying. You know, we've got the mercenaries in this one. You know, we've got the fun gang in this one. We've got, you know, the the <laughs> double dealers version of the mercenaries in this. Mm-hmm. So uh, you mentioned uh, you know the the whole desolation of the planet, and this is due to directly to Optimus Prime's actions. I, I mean, I think this is something where we don't see Optimus Prime having um, quite the the hero arc that he usually does. Like, I mean, this is something where it, it, it's carrying on from the end of Siege, it's clear that I mean. We can say both Optimus and Megatron are uh, have responsibility for the destruction of Cybertron here. And Optimus Prime, arguably, you could say he makes a really terrible decision in in dis- sending the AllSpark off of Cybertron, and uh, he the re- the consequences of that are are in full force in in this um, in Earthrise. And you know this is this is part of his story arc: his guilt, his doubt, and then. Uh, uh, you know everything coming back to haunt him. So how, how did you uh, how did you structure that? I mean, it feels like you structured uh, this arc in Earthrise to parallel or mirror the arc that Megatron had in Siege. Would that be accurate? I don't think it was. 
I don't think we sat there and said, oh, it's got to be like Megatron and Siege. I, I think, again, uh, and we're cognizant of the fact that people were, you know, frustrated with Optimus and Siege as sort of like, you know, not being the hero that we know, right? And the, the, the problem is, I've said this a bunch of times in a bunch of interviews, and I apologize, is the problem is if you start Optimus as the legendary hero of, Mega, of, of Cybertron, from the beginning, what do you do with him after? Right? Like, what do you, where do you go with him? So what we wanted to do with this was put him on the precipice. And you see when you get into Earthrise, you know, like, look, everybody, you know, especially the Autobots in Siege are desperate. They're, they're desperate. They, they are inches away from becoming extinct. And literally, this is the Hail Mary move that when he throws that into the space bridge, it's not a lot of thought behind it. It's, it's He's surrounded. That's it. Like, this is the only thing I'm going to do because doing that's better than Megatron getting it and converting us all into uh, Decepticons, right? Mm-hmm. When we get into Earthrise, he does have an understanding of that. And he, he in my opinion, especially when he gets to, uh, I think he learns a lot from Skylinks in that, Dead Universe episode in terms of remember who you are, remember what you're supposed to be. Here's why the Matrix chose you. And I think that's a big moment. But I even think before that, he, he's stepped up more into the leadership where you see how he deals with Decius, you see how he deals with Scorponok. It's, 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 it's those bits and pieces now are falling into place. And when we get into Kingdom, spoiler alert, he's much more the leader. He's much more you know, I'm in charge here. Matt's laughing because he's like, wait, you got to wait. You know, I, I, I think you'll start to see, yeah, he's dealing with the guilt of it. And that guilt, you know, that, that him and Megatron are both dealing with the guilt. You've got Megatron dealing with the guilt of I'm killing my own people to survive, to keep this planet alive. That's why he goes to the to you know to meet the citizens and the, the you know um, and meet all these people. And then the one thing that sort of slips under the radar is, you know, I, I slip under the radar as if people have seen the show. But the one thing you know we worked really hard on was the whole thing with Scrapface, which was this whole Autobots and Decepticons working together kind of thing, and the realization of like. Now we're, we're learning a little bit more about the ground level of the citizens of Cybertron and what they're going through. You know, Megatron's just as sympathetic towards what's going on, but also out of touch with what's going on. Because, you know, Alita is doing a better job uniting everybody than Megatron or Optimus ever did. And I think that's a big thing. And I hope people understand that when they, they watch it. Because I really dig Scrapface, but I, I also really love Matt. What's the name of the um, one-legged guy that Tadaro plays? Shamble. Shamble. So that's the guy like that Megatron meets at the factory. He's got the one leg. That's Frank Tadaro doing it again. Like Frank doing such know, a good character too. Yeah, really so the characters we came up with like that could speak to the experience of like you have these Decepticons who think they're still manufacturing things for the war. The war's over. You know what I mean? Like, and Megatron 
doesn't want to pull these guys offline and put them into the you know the spark sucking device. I don't know. Did we ever name it? I don't know. If we ever named it. I don't think right? we did. The Nemesis Project, you know, sort of thing, and it, it it becomes this interesting thing of how far Megatron now has gone, you know. And we know Optimus would never do that. Optimus would give his own life versus you know that, mm-hmm. and we sort of see that in this, and and it it becomes this evolution of the two of them by the time they sort of reconvene you know at at, um at the space station you know the old shit between the two of them comes back and and i I really enjoy it for that um especially when megatron double crosses them um so i don't know if that answers the question but you get the idea Mm -hmm. yeah I mean, I really uh, maybe we can can jump to you mentioned the dead universe because that was that was also a a big surprise uh, for me watching watching the show and seeing that content brought into it. I mean, that also that episode also brought a whole lot of Transformers lore to the forefront. Uh, you know, you got the dead universe, you've got Skylinks, you've got spoiler Galvatron and Unicron, uh, you've got the Hate Plague. I mean. This was this was like a smorgasbord of uh, of Transformers lore and concepts and history, all packed into that into that one episode. Uh, oh, Alpha Trion! I can't forget Alpha Trion. He was there too. I mean, that's so. I mean, how how much fun did you have putting putting all that together? Like, and then that to to um, that gets uh, a prominent showing in the trailer. So people are going crazy. Like, what Galvatron and Unicron are already here? What are you guys doing? But then you know the we we see that it's it's actually really a small part and it's you know it's it's time travel wobbly wobbly stuff so it's not <laughs> it's not super prominent but i really i really thought that was a, a a good way to to pack in more transformers backstory and history but still stay on your main narrative right the the dead universe episode which is the one i was there's two episodes as matt knows I've been scared out of my mind with in when we developed the entire series. The first one was a dead universe episode. The second one is the first episode of kingdom, which obviously I can't get into. And the dead universe one long in advance, we knew we were going to the dead universe. We knew Skylinks was going to be in there. Yeah. We had certain characters that we knew we were going to meet there. We just didn't know that. The how, I think. Yeah, we did. We, we, like, and we knew it was going to set some things up for the end of the that series and, and queue up a lot of stuff for Kingdom. And I don't think we knew Unicron was going to be in it until we developed it. And what it really was always to be about was this sort of not pause in the series, but this sort of moment of Megatron and Optimus sort of being put in these positions of these are your potential futures, right? Hence nemesis is in it. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I think as we kept going and I don't know if this was in the treatment and Matt might remember better than I did was to make Galvatron part of it. Like Galvatron somehow gets there. And the, you know, and then that 
sort of fell into place. Like we always knew Galvatron was going to be in the show. Yeah, like there, there was always really early on Hasbro had said, we're going to do something with Gal, you know, that's going to be a Galvatron toy. And we were just like, great. You know, like we're, we're going to find a way, like we always wanted that moment, even if it was small or not the Galvatron Megatron meeting. You know, we, just, yeah, so that, we knew we didn't want to turn Megatron into Galvatron. Like that was very clearly established from the beginning. Like that's been done. We don't want to, you know, do that again. So. Right. And, the, but that was the real moment of, you know, and you got to really, the Skylinks, we sort of, you know, we did our homework on Skylinks and sort of went, well, he's really arrogant. He, you know, he's, he's this, he's, you know, all these things. And there was an understanding, I think, as we as we started to develop the season, that Skylinks would be a really good example for Optimus of, you know, here's someone who the wrong reasons wants the Matrix and learns from it. And you know, and then there were there were fun Easter egg things like the hate plague and all that stuff. That just all sort of fell into place as we kept going. But we wanted, you know, that that Dead Universe episode is going to be seen as, by the time you watch the whole thing, like a really crucial mm. sort of thing for both Siege, Earthrise, and Kingdom. And in my opinion, for the franchise as a whole, as it keeps going. Um, you know, we wanted to show, again, you know, like, I know Gavin had sort of, really like we sat really early on like we always knew Gavin was going to write that episode. Right. And we were going to sneak those things in there and we snuck stuff in there. Like there's the floating, if you really look the mega floating Megatronus statues and mm-hmm. Solus in there. Do we keep Solus? Yeah. Solus, Solus Prime is in there. Are, yeah. oh, by the way, those are all our models from power of the primes and stuff like, like these are little <laughs> things we snuck in there. So like the staff that alpha Trion has, is the Solus um, staff, uh, her, her forge from Power of the Primes. Like, you know, we, we were sort of like, how do we sneak all these little things in there and make it? Um, and then we have a lot of flashbacky stuff. You have Galvatron's you know, like, introduction, like, which is straight out of the 86 movie. Yeah. Like, the, like the, and that was the idea was like, how do you tie that little bow around all that and, and connect the history of it? Um you know, to sort of say, you know, and also what Galvatron's motivation is like, you know, I want you to do this. I you need you to do that and all this stuff like that. That's really essential. But, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, I feel like Megatron sort of comes out of it only knowing one thing, like I got to get the Matrix, right? He doesn't know why, et cetera. But Prime learns a, a real lesson, like the, the, the tale of Skylinks is the real lesson for Prime. And he's able to embrace that. You know, that's like sort of when the Matrix lights up at the end and points the way out of the dead universe and all that stuff. You know, like that's sort of his his sort of next moment of his evolution as, as a leader and as a hero. Like it's Skylinks being the example of like, because, you know, when he meets him, it's sort of hostile in the beginning. Like you're not going to get the Matrix. You're, you know, you were banished here for a reason. And, and Skylinks's redemption is a real lesson for Prime in that episode, and and we snuck a bunch. You know, the the honest to God truth is, I, I, I Matt, tell them why the 
flashback to 86 movie is in it of dead optimus oh well because they made the figure of it yeah so they the one thing like they never they never ask us for anything right they never ask us for anything and they just said listen we're gonna do a dead optimus figure i said what yeah we're gonna do the dead (laughs) and we said okay they're like can you find a way to somehow show that and we always have we're going to have that in the Dead Universe episode. We'll, we'll have Optimus looking down at, like, that's one of his potential futures. Nemesis is another one of his potential futures. You know, and Megatron is sort of confronted directly by his potential future. And, and you sort of, and then you look at their past from multiple point of views. Like, I, I love the way they sort of show him in the pits and the way they light all that. That was all the Polygon team. And you know, this was the moment to cram a lot of lore into it, but also, you know, the intention of, okay, this might not go the way, like everybody's expecting this to end with G1 at exactly as you know it. It might not go that way. You know what I mean? Like the, the, this is this is where we got to throw in all these fucking curveballs um, and the dead optimists by the way, which they couldn't call Dead Universe Optimus because Amazon wouldn't carry a word with dead in it. But that's your little... <laughs> What's it called? What did they end up calling it? Universe. Yeah, like they wanted to call it Dead Universe and they couldn't call it that. that. plays into your whole multiverse thing. Yeah, well, that's the thing. We, I, you know, yep. the... the As Skyling says, the future is unwritten. That line yeah, of dialogue like, is very intentional. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, you know, like the dead universe sort of gives us an opportunity to sort of take the whole thing in a, in a different direction. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I don't remember, you know, we did a lot of research on the dead universe and we, and we just sort of realized, you know, we'd say to Hasbro, well, what, what, you know, what do you guys want the dead universe? Well, whatever you want, you know, they, they were very sort of reasonable with that. Um, But it really, you know, what the, the entire point of that episode was always to advance Megatron and Prime in a way that said, these are your possible futures, these are your possible outcomes. And they each had a respective narrator, you know, whether it's Skylinks and Galvatron serve as those respective narrators of getting those two characters more to their classic versions you know, by the time that's over. And the other thing was sort of, you know, was for Prime, by the time it's over, he understood he had to step to this other level, which is why the Matrix sort of lights up and helps him guide the way. And and Skylink says, remember who you're supposed to be. This is why the Matrix chose you, is, you know, it's literally him now leading the path out and 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 forward to, to conclude, you know, to go to the next step on their mission. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like Earthrise, I mean, with the Dead Universe uh, episode, you you kind of got us into the the futures, p- potential futures. Uh, and then in earlier episodes, you also took us back to the past with the Quintessons. Like you you really, um, as you emphasize the role that the Quintessons played in, in Cybertron and the Transformers uh, history. Uh, and I really, I really enjoyed that those kind of bookends. Uh, one question I had about the Quintessons, uh, um, and also I, I want to thank you 
uh, for setting the record straight with them being quintessons and not quintessons. I mean, that, that, so I really, I, I, really Lanzo, I asked them and that's what they said. Yeah. I, I really, I really love cyberverse, but the one thing I couldn't stand about cyberverse was they, they called the quintessons quintessons that, that really rubbed me the wrong way. So thank you for cor- setting the record straight, correcting them and making it, making them quintessons again. Uh, and, but the, the one thing the, with the quintessons, it felt like at least Megatron when he's when he's when he's talking about the Quintessons, it felt like he was he might have been there. Like in your mind, do do you think Megatron was there when the the, the when the Cybertronians overthrew the Quintessons, or is that even before him and Optimus? Like I, my under, my thought was that that happened way way in the past before Megatron and Optimus were even created. But when Megatron talks about it, it feels like he was he was there and leading the the uprising. So what it what what is your thought on that? I don't think I always took it as like stories being passed down. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I don't think he was literally there, but I think you know they all, all the Transformers metaphorically still you know feel that fight of that rise up against the oppressors, and they still you know I don't think he literally meant he was there. Like, correct me if I'm okay. wrong. After no, I think you're right, and and to be honest. It's more like how someone our age would talk about World War II. Well, we won the war. You know, we're mm-hmm. Americans. You know, or something like that. I think I think it's more a historical thing, and I also think it's important that you know because we, we sort of ran into this issue, and, and it's no fault of anybody other than Hasbro, of course. Which is now you have the AllSpark and you have the Quintessons. Who? Well, who made what? How did everybody? Mm-hmm get here so we sort of decided in the scripting stage to play up that debate you know and sort of never really answer it but the idea was always this guy decius was the one who created the transformation cogs that are in our guys whether or not it's true you know because you have to like, all park all park you know like we don't want to hear about this yeah shit. you know what i mean like um so I think the Quintessons, you know, even Optimus says, I know, I, I don't know who you are, but I know what you are. Like, like, you know, and even the other Autobots are sort of like, oh, they were a myth, you know, kind of thing. So I think to Matt's point, you know, it's something that was long before these guys. I, I think the, the key battle, if I can be nerdy, and we've not really explored this for some sort of thing, is the battle of Tarnhauser Gates is sort of whatever the crucial thing is for this generation of heroes, right? Optimus, Megatron, Trion, Alita, Magnus, et cetera. Cause it, it's pre Autobot Decepticon. It's all this, who they're fighting. I have no idea. You know what I mean? Like, but the, the idea was that was their generation's war. And then mm-hmm. the Quintesson, maybe Trion was there. You know what I mean? Maybe that, that was his generation stuff, but we, we, the idea, I think it's more Megatron is sort of speaking as a student of history kind of thing. And like, you know, a soldier who understands the past of the planet and the liberation yeah. from the Quintessons. I think that's really important. Like, I, I would think that, you know, my parents who were born in during, you know, just after World War II versus my nephew who's 22 would look at World War II very, very differently. You know what I mean? Like they they would look mm-hmm. at historical events. My nephew wouldn't understand Iraq. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and me being my age has a 
weird sort of hazy view of Vietnam, you know, sort of being born right during it or after it, um, right. et cetera. Yeah. And by the way, we try to keep these things vague, you know, cert- certain things because a, you don't want to fall down the rabbit hole in the show and constantly have to explain like all this stuff. But then I would love to think again, when I'm at the Burbank Marriott, in my seventies, someone's written a comic book, Sort of going, well, this is what Tarnhauser Gates were. Oh, that's really cool. You know, it's a, sort yeah. of like when we had Flint Dilly at the office and we were sort of going, well, we did, you know, we took this from what you guys were doing. And he was just like, okay, whatever. But the, <laughs> we didn't think of it that way. You know, we, yeah. we probably overthink a lot of this stuff. But then at certain points, like, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff we thought of that's not on the page or not even on the screen that we had to think of to get to that point. I think some things are better left, like, for people to kind of, you know, work it out in their own head. Yeah. Whatever their own personality Yeah. No, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. I mean, it's it's nice to have history reference, but you don't you're not uh, you're not, you know, dumping exposition or anything, but you're you're throwing out little Easter eggs that, you know, us us old school longtime fans were like, Oh yeah, we we caught that. But it's not it's nothing that the you know or burdens a new viewer or bird or you know burdens anyone with like, oh there's there's some complicated backstory that I have to understand. It's it's little hooks that will get you interested in, in looking at other stuff, but nothing that uh, that burdens the narrative. So I, right. I think you struck the right the right balance there. I think I think it helps to have you know it's one of those things where it's like after you figure out the story, the Easter eggs make sense. Like sometimes the Easter eggs help you get to where, and that, that's the advantage of having these writers who were so good, you know, Gavin and Tim and, you know, Brandon was really good at that on, in the first season where like he understood the mythology really well. And that helped us, you know, develop the mercenaries and things like that. And George in the beginning, when we sort of broke down the initial thing that we had that framework to add those Easter eggs or create new ones. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like we'd, we'd sit there and, and, when we did the design for Tarnhauser Gates and Siege, which is a very elaborate, you don't really see all of it, but it's a really elaborate set that we developed, you know, like, uh, or the theater where they end up, you know, like we love that design so much when we meet Ratchet and Siege that we decided to make that the hidden base of the Autobots in, in Earthrise, just because we love the set. We love the, and it was, oh, let's use the exterior more and all that stuff. You know, it, it, it becomes these things of, you know, while we're developing, how do we sneak these little things in there? And it helps when everybody loves it and we can sneak in Easter eggs that, you know, like the, we were talking about before in the dead universe with Megatronus and, and Solus. It's a, it's a cute wink nod to power the primes, but also somebody notices that like, that's a really cool thing. And if they don't notice, it's just a cool shit floating around. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I I felt like you also were putting some, you know, you, you get a little bit into some Greek mythology and maybe some Shakespeare as well. I mean, Odysseus, I, I'm guessing, is a reference to Odysseus, maybe? Or may, do I have that wrong? I believe that name comes from a Roman. Um, oh, God, I, I can't believe it. I forget the name of what the head of the Roman Empire was called. What were they uh, called? What was Caesar? 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 Yeah, but what was the title? Emperor. So yeah. Decius is a Roman emperor. That's where that name comes from. Okay. Yeah, we, went, then, we had to go through a bunch of names. Tim Sheridan came up with that. And okay. we, we always knew we were going to have a Quintus on, 
and we had a sort of oh. funny temp name, you know, in the treatment. And then, oh shit, when we got to it, we need to have a name. And Tim went and sort of came up with a bunch of names that we ran by Hasbro. Cause it was, there was two things. One was a creatively doesn't work. B can we clear it copyright wise? And you know, Decius was the one everybody like it just gave some weight to the character. Like I thought Tim did a really good job with how to present um, Decius. Um, but yeah, it was based on the Ro- a Roman thing. I just looked him up and he has Quintus in his name. Gaius Messius Quintus Traianus Decius. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we have <laughs> with with Megatron uh, talking to Ultra Magnus's head. That that definitely felt like a last poor Yorick. Uh, yeah, no, that we always called it the poor Yorick moment. Like literally, yeah. like I don't remember where we came up with that, but I remember being in the room and sort of that was a Tim idea. What? <laughs> that was a Tim idea. That was, you know, like he's going to talk to that. We just, all right, we're going to have that, you know, Shakespearean moment. Of I that. love the, the don't look at me that way line. <laughs> <laughs> That's very Tim. Tim. You guys at some point should get Tim and Gavin on to talk about this because there's some funny, there's a lot of funny behind the scenes stuff like that. Yeah. The Earthrise had a lot of humor in it. Uh, that I thought was, uh, was, you know, siege was siege was good, but humor, uh, in Earthrise really seemed to step it up a notch. Yeah. And that's intentional. I mean, you know, it's when we developed it, it was always meant to, I don't want to say lighten up as it kept going, but you know, if you like the humor in this, you know, you'll love kingdom kingdom is the real fun one. Mm-hmm. And, but you know, we also wanted to make them, you know, like we're out in space. Let's have fun with it. Let's let's get some humor to it. Um, you know, it was always supposed to be like, you know, we always use Star Wars as a reference and all that stuff. And, you know, we did the job in Siege of sort of establishing the conflict and, and the war. And, we, did, you know, even though it's still called War for Cybertron, it's like, well, they're not on the ground fighting anymore. Let's let's change the tone. Let's. You know, I, I, I enjoy Bumblebee a lot in this one, you know, where he, he's part of the gang and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the, the, especially I think Tim brought a lot of humor to it. Tim's a funny guy and he's written a lot of big stuff like Superman and all these things. Like he knows the, the that adventure tone. And that's what we wanted in this one was a little more of that space opera adventure. You know, we're going to different planets. We're, we're seeing all these different things. Um, and he he's the one who you know, like just brought a lot of levity to it. And, you know, and I think we also decided in the beginning, like, Oh, there'd be fun stuff. Like it's in the trailer, you know, you know, bubble beat the ugly one, you know, <laughs> bumble and you know, bug bite referring to that. You know what I mean? Like I was going to mention that one because I watched this with my 11 year old daughter and, and she loved that line. Like she thought that was the best line in the whole show. She's like, she's like, he's the ugly one, but he's saying it and he looks just like him. It's the best. <laughs> yeah, that's the joke. <laughs> yeah, I there's a the one of your I don't want to say rival sites, but one of, Kevin Lucas at Unicron texted me that after he watched it that is he was watching it with his son who I think is either late teens or young, you know, like adult age. 
And there's the bit where Optimus goes, well, as Alpha Tron used to say, you know, like, and they were just like, oh, God, you know, like, don't get into this. And sometimes you got to blow scrap up. And they said that, that was our favorite line. So, you know, the humor. Yeah. yeah. You know, and again, you know, I, I'm trying really hard not to jump into kingdom because that's where my brain is. But, you know, that, <laughs> that humor carries over into, into the next one. Beast Wars was a much funnier show, I think. Like, so that, that would be good that kingdom kind of parallels it. Yeah, I think, look, Kingdom does, you know, do that. But I think for Earthrise, we saw an opportunity of, you know, they're not, they're they're desperate to find the Allspark, but they're not backs against the wall kind of thing like they are. You know, we could do all that stuff on Cybertron and let, you know, like, because the Alita stuff is pretty dark, you know, like the, the spark sucking and all this stuff and, you know, that that's all relatively dark, but there is some there's some fun adventure to it. You know what I mean? They're on the run, and Jetfire's still doing a lot of cool stuff, and you know, Red Alert's cracking jokes. I'm sorry, Red Alert's cracking jokes. Yeah, like <laughs> is this he's always way? alert. Where he turns, I'm always, you know, I'm always alert. You know, like those are certain things where we got it. We were sort of like, ah, you know, but let's do it. Let's keep it in. Let's keep it lighter. And you got to understand, we're doing these three series we don't have any audience feedback like we can't change kingdom you know what i mean so um i'd like to think our instincts because everybody's a fan of these things as we evolve the show as it keeps going it, it's resonating to, to daryl's point about the humor and all that stuff and red alert and the the, the bit where you know a lot of people saw the trailer and go i'm glad we have somebody who on our team who could fly because we were sort of, you know, that that came from the fact that shit, they don't have anybody who could fly. You know what I mean? Like, let let's play it up. Let's let's enjoy those moments a little more than, you know. I think Siege we had to really set the table, but now we're starting to enjoy the meal quite a bit. Mm-hmm. That's a complete one eighty on on Red Alert's uh, character profile because in the original eighty show he was a you know a neurotic you know mess and. And here he's, you know, he's a he's light and you know, bubbly personality with a with a, a joke every now and then, which is good. So, yeah, we, we he's got a little bit of bones, McCoy, in him, you know, in terms yeah. of little, yeah, little spark and sarcasm to it, and I, and I like the way we we develop the character. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do have one like little tiny nitpick and i know this is probably well that's for matt answers these (laughs) i I, i'm sure this is probably down to to budgetary reasons and you know things things that are uh that are hard to change but i i did notice that in the show the at least the characters who who weren't necessarily based directly on toy models they don't get a chance to transform so you know i really was hoping that we'd get to see alita one rc and bumblebee transform at some point and is there any hope for that in kingdom well, i'm let man answer these things. <laughs> <laughs> i mean no that's the, the short answer i I, yeah. I wish i wish we could you know if we had it our way every single character would transform all the time but it's just not feasible but I mean, yeah the, the problem we, we hear the feedback I, yeah we, we see it I and mean, we know but the the problem becomes then you can only have if you want everybody to transform 
then you can only have half the characters. Right. Mm-hmm. And you got to realize we introduce a ton of characters in the first one. There's less in the second one. And a lot of that is because we're saving it up for kingdom because, you know, we don't want to shortchange the beast wars characters because they're so significant. Right. Right. So, I mean, are you really going to have Optimus primal not turn into an ape? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you, you, you know, Soft confirm and, FJ, Jesus. Well, that's a toy. <laughs> and again, I'm, I'm, I've always got to sell them out. But yeah. you know, we we put the onus on Hasbro to pick who did what, who transformed, which ones you could see on screen, etc. You know what was important to you guys. You know, meaning Hasbro and all that stuff. And, and we we sort of rolled with it. Um, and it, that changed a little bit as we kept going. But like, you know, look at Scorponok. You're not going to have Scorponok not transform right? right but on right. the flip side skylinx why would you have them transform into a space shuttle like then you got to explain that you know what i mean like so there are certain creative opportunities because then by not having skylinks transform someone else can um right and you know i love alita you know she's the, the sort of big surprise blessing of the show but when we developed it, she wasn't as prominent as we thought she was going to be. And she just evolved because the writing dictated that and the actress dictated that. You know what I mean? Like, I think if we had a time machine, we would have changed that. Probably. <laughs> yep. No, that's totally fair, and I, and I figured that that was uh, that was the reason. So uh, you know, I'm not I'm not mad, but you know, it's, no, it's I, all I get it. Like we, like I said, like Matt said, we follow what people say. I mean, the, the, yeah. the thing is, you know, what I hate is people when they complain about us using redecoed characters. That's a tradition of the show. You know what I mean? And that gives us the opportunity to have multiple multiple you know that's look the mercenaries in particular were a lot of fun to do with that you know what i mean so yeah. or even the the soldiers who are um working for decius you know what i mean like when yeah. the, they all come out the idea was you know decius would have these prototypes saved as an army for himself you know what i mean like there was a lot of like thought that went into that was it was there any discussion of them maybe being sharktacons at some point no, because that was never on Hasbro's list of characters. Oh, okay. Stupid question, Charles. <laughs> no, it's not a stupid question. No, it's not a stupid question because you know the the one thing the one thing I didn't want you know again if we had ten episodes we'd have DCS over a number of episodes and really get into DCS's story, but we don't. And people, you know. The average Joe just goes, well, why couldn't you do that? Why could you, like, they don't understand the mechanics of these things and, and what we have to go through to do that. And I'm not saying that as an excuse. I'm saying that as how do we take advantage of the opportunity of what we do have? And, and, you know, sure, I would love to have shark decons in it. You know what I mean? I would love to throw these guys into a pit and all that. But, but also on the flip side, it's like, that's 86 movie. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and this is, you know, we're, we're already doing enough homages. Then you, I don't want to get so deep that, you know, you're ripping, not ripping stuff off, but, you know, I wanted Rekar in it, but, you know, Matt won't let me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say no. No, it's just, just it would again, be difficult. 
always trying to keep it in the parameters of what Hasbro is doing with the toys and all that stuff. And, you know, I do know now I probably, you know, knock on something we do more in the future that I can push back a little more, you know, sort of go, okay, we're doing this. And and instead of doing these 50 characters, we're going to do 30 and they're all going to transform. We're all going to do this and make them all, you know, really relevant and important to the show. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, I think we, we've we've taken a lot of your time, but thanks thanks so much for uh, for spending time. I got, with I got one more. Yeah, I okay, hear you. There's always this. There's always this ahead, guy. Always, Matt, this is the question where I sort of like lose my. I remember. I think you're fine. You're probably fine, but I mean, we kind of know what's happening with with Kingdom in the fact that. You teased Unicron, right? There's a big freaking toy coming. I mean, it would be kind of a waste if that didn't get some kind of, you know, screen time. Um, are we going to see a uh, some kind of a battle between Unicron and, uh, uh, you know, Teletran when he transforms? <laughs> I don't know where you get the idea that Teletran transforms. That's the first thing. Yeah, that would <laughs> So, no, I'm not going to answer any of that. You know, I mean, <laughs> you just have to wait and see. That's the answer. Yeah, you got to wait and see with this because I will tell you that the Unicron that you see in this series is the the one that's the new toy. Like we got all their models and data. But yeah, it's the worst kept secret in all of Transformers. I mean, come yeah. On. I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> You know, that was that Unicron is so tricky. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm pretty happy with how he factors into the show. Um you know, like I'm I'm glad they sort of added him to the trailer, which was I probably would have sat there and said, No, don't do it. But then when I saw the trailer, I went, Oh, it's, it's cool. It's funny because um, I, I was watching some trailer breakdowns after having seen the whole series and they're going on and on about how, like, obviously, Galvatron and Unicron play so much into the series. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're <laughs> going to be disappointed. <laughs> well, they may be. Well, they I mean, may not. at least Earthrise. Yeah. yeah but See, the, the one thing is, there is a, you know, as you guys know, there is a plan. Yeah. Right. There, there is, there is a, there's a plan for everything. And, you know, it's unlike Siege, I think there's a lot more in this one where you sit there and go, you know, like especially the Easter eggs and the all the stuff that sort of you know I'm I'm sure at a certain point Daryl has Kingdom figured out to a degree <laughs> and nice about it. Um You gave us the biggest tip when we interviewed you last time for Siege is you said look to the toys. Yeah, but I can't say that after a certain point. Like that that's the thing. It's like the the problem is you know you got to understand we did this when we developed the show. And I, I mentioned this earlier and I've mentioned this a bunch of times is the show is so far ahead of the toys. Mm-hmm. Right? That you can follow the toys with Siege and and me again this is one of those Matt said the time machine moments I probably never would have emphasized that too much 
because then they did a bunch of characters in Earthrise that never show up. You know what I mean? Like, and we'd see the toys come in and go, who the hell is that? Like, because <laughs> we're working off, you know, we were working off of very early lists and they change as they keep going. And the interesting thing is, I, I've talked more about Kingdom than I ever should have in this, is that, you know, Siege was very much based on what they were doing with the toys at the time. Earthrise is sort of us sort of going, okay, here's where we want to take it in collaboration with Hasbro. And then Kingdom is sort of Hasbro knowing, okay, here's what they're doing in the show. Mm -hmm. And there's certain things that don't, like when you see a lot of the Kingdom promo stuff, like, okay, that guy's not in it, or this doesn't happen based on their promo art, because that's what they do internally. So it's less follow the toys, but you'll see the toys start to follow us a little bit more as it keeps going. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Well, I mean, Kingdom has an Earth mode Ultra Magnus, and we know that's uh, at least at le- unless you unless you've got something really crazy planned for Kingdom, that's that's not happening. Who knows? Right, timey stuff. I mean, <laughs> time machines three times during this interview. I'm assuming gigawatts in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. It's, uh, let me tell you something. If Gigawatt's in it, then Sound Blaster is going to come back. You know, like <laughs> you know, you know, the it—it's a testament to Hasbro being really collaborative. And and I'm not joking. And this will be funny after you guys see Kingdom, but there are meetings now where they'll show me. They'll say, "Can you look at this box art?" you know, this packaging art, is this a spoiler or not? And they're, they're letting us have some sort of uncertain things, you know, like, well, you know, get that the hell out, you know, like guys, like you can't show that on the toy because we know the toys are going to come out so early. You know what I mean? Like there are certain things that, you know, we can't avoid, but on the flip side, there are certain things where I'm like, dude, you know, that, 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 you know, I'd appreciate it. You don't have to, but they're very nice about it. Um, you know, and, and like um, Earthrise, when you buy the toys, the map. Yes. You know, we, we did that in tandem with them. Like they, they said, we're going to do a map. Here's what it is. And then we sort of sat there and said, let's put this here. Let's put the dead universe here. Let's put cool. Char here and all this stuff. Like, you know, and then anything else is a side mission, you know, for the toys and all that stuff. But we had that map, you know, what, 18 months ago, hanging up in our office, you know, sort of tracked. It's nerdy. So, but like when it comes up on the screen, you know, the screen of the hollow projector and the arc bridge, that's the same map. You know what I mean? Like, and, you know, in other than us who really cares about that, but we love that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like, the average person is going to watch it and be like, well, it's the map. Who gives a shit? But like, but like the funny thing is who was it Todaro who bought the toys and was like, Oh my God, dead universe is like six months ago. He's like, dude, dead universe. They're going to spoil it. They're going to, yeah. you know, both. he's like, did you know about this? Like, yeah. Yeah. And I said, yeah, we did the map with them. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> uh, like it's funny in terms of, you know, again, we'll write a book about this someday, the making of all this. And, it's just funny that we've been fortunate enough where 
we haven't had as you know a corporation breathing down our necks and going no 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 you got to do this you got to do that and all this stuff. for better or for worse you know it's it's a show made by fans you know whether it's our gang in japan or the writers and all that stuff they, they generally like you know like tim tim for every writing session would show up with a different classic figure you know like whoever we were working on like he'd show up with the classic galvatron toy or you know like or they'd show up with this and we keep it on the table and sort of go, okay, this is our inspiration. We watch old episodes and all that stuff and, and really, you know, sort of think it through. Like, how do you sit there and make Scorponok mean something? You know, there's a whole side thing, you know, like he's got his own, by the way, I don't know, you know, because somebody saw this differently. Scorponok has his own logo. Yeah. 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 He had his own fact. Yeah. It wasn't a Decepticon symbol. Yeah. No, and that's you know the I think I think Hasbro after I sort of lost my mind when I first saw the mercenary thing. So we got to make more. We got to make more logos. Like even the, the Decius's soldiers have their own logo if you look close enough. Um, you know, like the the idea, at least to me, is. I think the Quintessons created more than just the Autobots and the Decepticons that we know. Like there's more out there. There's more, again, the, and the Quintessons are, I'm not Quintessons, the Scorponok is just one example of that, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why he has such a visceral reaction about when you mention the Quintessons and all that shit. Um, I think that's really important. Um, you know, how, how do you expand the, the universe a little bit? more with this and that that was the whole intention of earthrise was to have nebulon space station and this you know humongous weird looking thing and space bridges and all that stuff that they're you know we sort of dealt with it in prime wars with caminus we went to caminus really briefly in combiner wars which i was sort of you know like when i wrote the initial episodes i wanted to be like fully occupied caminus and the combined wars were happening there and what the hell was this? And we'd learned about these lost colonies and then certain people were just like, Nope, you know, cut that, cut that and rewrite you. Um, and all that stuff. Like th- there is a bigger world to this and, and, and not just the multiverse, you know, like I, I love little and pieces like Skylinks's backstory, that flashback with alpha Trion, I think is really, really interesting. Um, well, even even in Siege, you have Bumblebee mentioned that before the war, he used to go watch races on Velocitron when the space bridges were open. So, yeah, that's such a Gavin, that's such a Gavin thing. Like Gavin knows all that shit. Like, like he, he just like I'm telling you, you got to have the two of them on because they're a they're characters. They're really funny. They're much funnier than I am. <laughs> and um, but they have like they're steeped in it. Like they're, they're really good at once we figure out the story you know, and the narrative and the character stuff, like they know how to insert those little Easter eggs and little bits, because like that, you talk about that line about the, you know, I used to travel for the racing. It's a great bit about the character. It's like what we talk about with star Wars, they're always those multi-layered sort of things that expand the universe, but advance the story. You know, it, it says something about the character. It says something about the world. It expands things. And, it, and, if you don't know it, like, oh, it's a cool thing. I, I sort of get what he's talking about, 
But if you're you guys, it's like, oh shit, that they made this reference to this. You know what I mean? Like, and that's really important. And, and by the way, again, to be that guy who teases Kingdom is the writer we brought in for Kingdom is very much of Matt's generation. So this writer understood all those little Easter eggs about the Maximals and Predacons and, and all that stuff. So like that fun sort of continues into, into the next one, but we try to sneak in as much as we can. Once we know the story and character has been established for that story. Um, you know, Brandon was really good at that uh, on the first season, sort of getting those little fanboy moments in there. Yeah. It's tricky. Well, I hope you liked it. Earthrise. Yeah. It was good. I, I, <laughs> yeah, we did, yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, beautiful. I mean, we can say it sucked while we're here. You know, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just wait, wait till we get Mike on the review. <laughs> you know, I was hoping he was going to show up, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to say to Mike before we, before we wrap things up? No, I got nothing to say to Mike because I'm worried about him <laughs> off and him talking shit about Earthrise. I mean, yeah, and just look, we appreciate you guys letting you guys letting us sort of come on and ramble. It's it's part therapy and it's part fun. You know, you guys, as like last time, are the first people we've spoken to directly about the show. You know, like when we did our interview last time for Siege, you guys were the first ones we got I got to interact with who had seen it. And same thing now. You guys are literally the first interview we've done for Earthrise. Um so you know it's it's good to hear sort of the feedback. I'm glad the Dead Universe episode played well. I'm glad Scorponok, you know, like you know, all these things, you know, resonate hopefully with the fan base and also aren't too foreign to newbies. I'm hoping, you know, people who caught on to Siege will watch this and sort of continue on that journey. Scorponok will get a big reaction from fans because it's not in the trailer. My daughter just, she loved the fact that it was this giant robot. She doesn't know his name off the top, but she just thought she knows the toy. Cause I have it. And she's like, Oh, it's the scorpion guy. I'm like, yeah, here he is. Look at that. It was awesome. It was a great, it was a great fight. And you know, it was, it was a great scene, but yeah, it's not in the trailer. It's a complete surprise. And you don't know. It's, you know, it's just a, it's a great scene. And that's, that, that'll play really well. Yeah. It's kind of I think. Yeah. What were you saying, Jeremy? I said in Skylinks too. Yeah, I'm like I said, I'm surprised they didn't put them in the trailer. Um, and again, Netflix is nice enough to always run the trailers by us, and we get to give notes and stuff like that. But um, I think for them, they wanted to emphasize, you know, the action because there's a lot more action in this, like fun, mm-hmm. washbuckly action, um, especially at Nebulon and all that stuff. And at the end, where everybody's just throwing down. Um, but I think, you know, putting Galvatron, Nemesis, and Unicron in it, I think, really speaks to the audience um, yeah. and a- asks a lot of questions. And uh, I, I mean, I'm over the moon with how Galvatron came out in particular. I'm, I'm really, Marnoka doing the Leonard Nimoy voice is just too good. <laughs> awesome. And, and I have to say, visually, it, it looked fantastic. I, I watched it on an Oculus um, 
thing. So I had like a virtual big screen and it looked. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. I think, and again, the Polygon gang, I think getting out of Cybertron, I, I, you know, allowed us to be more colorful and, and build these cool sets and like the space station, you know, I don't know if you guys noticed this. Decius's place is actually like a Quintesson ship that's crashed into the ground yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Like that stuff, like our director came up with, just like, I'm going to do it this way. All this stuff. We were just like, Oh my God, this is so cool. And, you know, I think after siege, I think everybody f- was feeling confident that we could add some new things by still being reverential to the, to the franchise. And I think, I think it's paid off. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yep. All right. Well, I, I'm I'm sad. I, I think if we got to, if we if you if we kept you just a few minutes more, we'd get all the kingdom spoilers we could ever want. But uh, I guess that that means I should I should wrap things up. Um, one thing we we do before we uh, we do like to end by doing our rapid fire questions. FJ's already done this, but Matt, we we haven't we haven't put you through the gauntlet yet. So. W- could you give us a couple more minutes to do the rapid fire questions? Absolutely. All right. So yeah, these are just real, these are real quick, uh, you know, say the first thing that comes to your mind. Don't think about it. Just, uh, just answer each question. Uh, they're, they're really short a or B questions. So I'm going to get uh, judged so hard by FJ for some of these answers. I, no, I did it last time. And I'm <laughs> All right, here we go. Autobot or Decepticon? Decepticon. Uh, who is your favorite Decepticon? <sighs> Jetfire, pre-turn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Transformers live action movie. One, two, three, four, five, or Bumblebee? First one. All right. Uh, I don't know if you if you read the Transformers comics at all, but uh, would you pick between More Than Meets the Eye or Lost Light, the Robots in Disguise, Optimus Prime, uh, Till All Are One, or the newest Transformers uh, comic series that just rebooted? More Than Meets the Eye. All right. Yeah, that's There's my some favorite. great issue in that series. Yep. Uh, third party toys, yes or no? No. Okay. We're not allowed. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we cannot speak of third party toys. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Cats. Got two of them. Oh, okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Chicken or steak? Chicken. Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Well, can I pick Dr. Pepper? Is there a third option here? Sure. Yeah, you okay, can, Dr. You, Pepper, can, you can you can throw out any anytime you don't like the options, you can throw out a wild card, whatever you like. Uh, Burger King or McDonald's? Oh. McDonald's, <laughs> Wendy's. Can we do a third option here? Yeah, yeah do a third Wendy's option. is fine. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> history or science? History. Xbox, PlayStation, or Nintendo Switch? Oh, PlayStation? I want to say, no, let's go Switch. Okay, all right. PC or Mac? Mac, all the way. (laughs) iPhone or Android? iPhone. Is there a phone app that you can't live without? Honestly, no. 
<laughs> okay. Fair you can enough. just delete every app off there. I'd be just fine. <laughs> uh, Marvel or DC? Marvel. Sorry, FJ. <laughs> Who is your favorite Marvel character? <sighs> Iron Man. Okay. Uh, Stallone or Schwarzenegger? Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Pixar or DreamWorks? Pixar. Is there a favorite uh, guilty pleasure movie that you'll watch whenever it's on, whenever you know you see it streaming or on cable TV, whatever? Oh, that's tough. Because I'm just going to name like things that wouldn't be considered a guilty pleasure. <laughs> What's like that's some fine. trash? I'm trying to think of like trash that I like watching. I guess these days you could probably include TV shows since, you know, they're yeah. all on the same oh. Well, it's not. The problem is I wouldn't. Guilty pleasure is tough. Okay. Great British Bake Off. Let's just go with that. I love that. <laughs> all show. right. <laughs> Fair enough. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Simpsons, Family Guy, or Rick and Morty? None of the above. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Maybe is there, substitute? is there a substitute you would pick? Yeah, you, you're de- you're definitely being judged. You're ju- you're being you are you are about to be found guilty. <laughs> I for whatever reason, like adult animated humor just has never clicked with me. I don't know why. I I know I I need to watch Rick and Morty is the problem. I've only ever seen the first episode, so that's probably okay. will fix this answer. That was my answer, by the way, last time, because I, I don't like the other shows. I, I'm, I'm a Rick and Morty fanatic. I love it. Yeah, I need to watch the show. Based off the pilot, I don't think I would pick it, but I got to watch the show. All right. Walking Dead or Game of Thrones? This is probably an obsolete question at this point. <laughs> well, no, it's actually more interesting now with all of the uh, everything taken into account. Uh, probably Walking Dead. Although I'm like two seasons behind. Okay. Uh, sports. If you're into sports, NFL, MLB, NHL, UFC, NBA, or Premier League. The Olympics. Oh, okay. I live for the Olympics. Very the weirder the sport, the better. Curling. I'll watch that all day and all night. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we we get the Olympics back in 2021. Well, I guess we'll see. Yeah, hopefully That'd we're in nice. Japan for that. That'd be nice yeah. also. All right, uh Porsche, Ferrari, Lamborghini or Volkswagen Beetle? Volkswagen Beetle. Oh, okay. He's not the ugly one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> not in my and, mind. Uh, <laughs> Last question, blonde, brunette, or redhead? Redhead. All right. Congratulations. You have fast lists of rapid fire questions. Well done. FJ, do you think less of me now? <laughs> no, no. Oh, thank God. I guess nothing else can do that at this point, right? I'm of the same opinion. <laughs> Unchanged. <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you so much uh, to matt murray and fj DeSanto for uh for spending the time with us 
uh, really appreciate you uh, you coming on and and breaking down Siege and Earthrise for us, and and definitely we'll we'll have to come back after Kingdom is out, and uh, we'll you know we'll have the the final part of the trilogy to discuss, and uh, we're looking forward you'll to have that. An unchained, you'll have an unchained FJ at that point. <laughs> Yeah, he's ready. He's ready for it. Talk about everything. Yeah, don't don't wait till you're in the seventies. Just yeah, even seventy. Exactly. And uh, a shout out to uh, our friend, uh, your friend, and our friend Jim Simonic Jimmers. Uh, we saw him get a get a little mention in the credits this time, so that that's awesome for him. And he hasn't seen so it yet. I'm very excited for him to see it. He knows, but yeah, yeah. yeah that, was, that was super cool. Well, I do bounce right. a lot of shit from him, so he, he's good like that. <laughs> All right. Again, uh, thank you to Matt Murray and FJ DeSanto. And this has been a special transmissions podcast episode all about Netflix's War for Cybertron, Transformers War for Cybertron, Earthrise. Uh, this is already streaming on Netflix. So hopefully you've had a chance to watch it. And it, I, you, you shouldn't have watched it before you watched this interview, but... Uh, if you didn't go watch it, go check it out. Uh, you can check out trans. You can check out transmissions podcast at our website, transmissionspodcast.com and uh, on our YouTube channel. Uh, so, uh, you know, come listen to us. We do lots of transformers themed podcasts every week. Uh, and you know, we always talk transformers, both the toys, the comics, the TV shows, everything. So uh, check that out. And we are can't wait for everyone to check out Earthrise and and give your f- opinions and feedback. Let us know. So uh, we'll sign off now, and thanks everyone for watching. Bye bye. Bye. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of Transmissions. But just because this episode is over doesn't mean the Transformers fun has to stop. Join us and other Transformers fans on our Discord chat server by visiting transmissionspodcast.com slash Discord. If you would like to learn more about how you could support the Transmissions Podcast, just visit transmissionspodcast.com slash support. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Okay, so now tell me what you really thought about Earthrise. (laughs) 